Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. One day after his resurrection, while Jesus was eating a meal with his disciples, he told them that they would soon be given power to take his message all over the world. They would be given the Holy Spirit of God, he said. After he said this, Jesus flew up into the sky right in front of them, and they did not see him again. So the disciples waited and prayed. Ten days later, they were gathered, and a sound like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house. They looked around and saw what looked like tongues of fire dancing above each of them. They all began to speak in different languages, causing such a commotion that a crowd gathered to see what was going on. Someone accused them of being drunk, so Peter stood up to say something. He told them that they were not drunk, but that God had given them the power of his spirit. He recounted the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and told the people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. That day, 3,000 people believed what he said and became followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus ate meals and prayed together almost every day. Amazing things continued to happen. People were being healed. Others were selling their possessions and giving their money to the poor. The number of people who joined them just kept growing and growing. The disciples, now called apostles, began teaching in the Jewish temples. This angered the religious leaders. Several times they beat up the apostles and threw them in jail. One religious leader in particular, named Saul, was determined to destroy this new movement of Jesus' followers. So he went from house to house in the region and arrested those claiming to follow Jesus. Then one day, while Saul was walking down the street, a bright light from the sky flashed. As he fell to the ground, he heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus commanded Saul to get up and go to the city of Damascus. Saul got up, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. With some help, Saul traveled to Damascus, where he met a man named Ananias. Ananias placed his hands on Saul, and something sort of like scales fell from his eyes. Suddenly he could see again. Ananias told him that Jesus had orchestrated all of this so Saul could receive the Holy Spirit. This experience completely changed Saul's life. He became a follower of Jesus. Soon, Saul would set out on an extraordinary journey to tell others about Jesus. As Phil said before, my name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here, one of the teaching pastors at Crosswalk. And today, if you see me and notice, man, there's like a bounce in his step, and he's just like incredibly uh, upbeat today. That is because I just got back from two weeks of being gone. Uh, The first week, I was at teen camp with about 70 high school kids. I was not refreshed after that week. (laughs) 
I was drained after that week. But, but then after that, my family and I went to South Dakota, uh, where my in-laws are from, and got to spend some time on the Missouri River and the boat, and it was great. And, and it was during that time as we drove that, and, and as I was thinking about this message, which I knew was coming, that I, I started noticing the great gift that we have in signs. And, and I thought of that for two reasons. One of them is because I have two daughters that are getting ready to drive, and what better place to teach them than in South Dakota, where there's nothing to hit. And so we drove around the roads and the fields, and, and we, we made it good, and, and everything was good. But, but in our drive also, we ended up driving 4,000 miles, just over 4,000 miles. And of those 4,000 miles... I have not, I, I would bet somewhere around 3,300 of those miles were on roads that I have never driven before. And, and for that reason, there were times as I, I punched in the directions in my Garmin that I've, I've just been burned by it too many times and, and taken to the wrong place. And so I, I would look at the Garmin and, and then I would look at maps and, and try to make sure, is this, is this the, the right way or, or not? And I, I knew if I got to certain cities, like when I was going up to South Dakota, I knew if I could get to Kansas City that I knew how to get where I needed to go from Kansas City. And so when I would see a sign on the road that said Kansas City, even if it was 250 miles away, I knew that, okay, this road leads to Kansas City. When I get there, I know where to go from there. That I appreciated signs. And, and, and signs let you know where you are at. And signs let you know what's coming in the future. And for that reason, I really began to appreciate that. Again, my need for signs, and especially for my daughters, as they learn to drive, to tell them, you know, you don't just look at the road, which is important, but you need to see the signs as well, because the signs will let you know what's coming. And so today, I was preparing for the sermon. I'm a little busy. I want to kill two birds with one stone. So we're going to do a little sign test. Okay, so our first sign that we have, this will be on the sign test for my kids for the Department of Motor Vehicles. What kind of sign is this, everyone? Stop sign. And you knew that without the word stop being written on it, which is very good. And, and as we look at stop signs in life, we want to remember, don't underestimate the importance of a stop sign. There are stop signs, if you drive on Dobbins, there are stop signs every mile, right? And, and they remind you that, that you have to stop because there's people going the other direction. Stop signs keep you safe. Stop signs keep other people safe as well. The next sign we have, again, it doesn't have the words on it, but we know that this is a what sign? Yield sign. And, and as you look at a yield sign, the yield sign reminds you to Slow down. And how many of us in life maybe should see some yield signs, that, that there aren't signs like this, but rather the sign comes when we visit the doctor's office and our body is sending us messages, it's sending us signs that say, you need to slow down or you're going to get in some type of an accident. Another sign. And this sign, notice there's no words on it because this sign can have 
a hundred different messages. But this is a caution sign. And the caution is that something is coming in the future that you are going to want to know about. It might be a, a corner, a curve. Uh, it, it could be a rough patch or, or something like that. So when you see that yellow sign, you want to make sure that you understand what it says so that you know what is coming in the future. These signs were great, and, and they were very helpful. But... Do you ever wonder or wish that we would have signs like this in our lives? There, there have been more times than I would want to admit that other people have told me, or maybe I've said to God, God, show me a sign, right? Show me a sign. And so maybe one of these signs that God would tell you is detour ahead. Just this morning on the patio, I talked to, well, there are four individuals that I talked to who have children under 10 years old who have cancer. That's a detour. That is not what was on the plan as they looked at, at their, their life as children and grade school and going to high school that now all of a sudden we have this detour to, to the doctors and for chemotherapy and everything like that, and it's like, holy cow, it can, it can make us wonder, are we on the right path? What is God trying to tell us with this sign? Or maybe we could have another sign like this, and, and it's very much the same, and that is that there's a, a rough road coming ahead. We're going to look at these signs, and, and they are signs that God gives us in our life. They don't necessarily look like that, but he promises in his word to give us signs to let us know that we're on the right path, we're headed in the right direction, and ultimately, with signs, they always point us to our destination, don't they? And that's what God's signs do as well. They point us ahead to heaven. They point us ahead to where our home is. They, they take us through the journey and assure us that we are going to get where God wants us and where we want to be as well. At this time, I ask you, if you haven't already, to op open your crosswalk notes, uh, or if you want to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, we're going to be covering a number of chapters, actually Acts 1 through 9, and if, if you would like to go back through the week and maybe read a chapter a day, I would suggest that, and, and that will help you get a, a full understanding of everything that is taking place. Now, as we begin, we're going to start with Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. And it starts by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus began to do and to teach. And so what this, this first verse shows us is that this book is the second in a set of books written by the same person. And if you were go, to go to the Gospel of Luke, you would see that the Gospel of Luke was also written to a person named Theophilus. And, and Luke was a doctor who, who went in and did some investigating and then wrote the Gospel, wrote the life of Jesus Christ, and, and shared it with this friend, Theophilus. And maybe the way that I would describe Luke, Luke was not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Maybe the way that I would describe him in today's terms if you've ever heard of an individual named Lee Strobel, 
Uh, Lee Strobel was an investigative reporter, or is, for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he was not a Christian, didn't believe in Jesus. And so one of the things that he did as there were influences, Christian influences and people around him, he decided to take what he did, which was investigating, investigative reporting, and apply it to Christianity and to say, you know what, I'm going to address this the same way and, and see what I find out. And what he found out as he investigated and, and, and went more on, on the details of the eyewitnesses that he came to the conclusion through the power of the Holy Spirit that what the Gospels, what the Bible said was actually true and, and that Jesus was the way to heaven and he became a Christian through that and then has written a number of books since. But I want you to think about Luke in the same way that Luke as a doctor, uh, that he wasn't there for all of Jesus' miracles but he would have gone to these towns and, and, and asked people, tell me about this sickness. Again, as a doctor, he had an interest in that. Tell me about the, the person who was blind or the person who couldn't walk. Tell me about the doctoring that you did and, and why this person couldn't be healed. And then tell me about their healing after, after Jesus. And so as Luke did his investigating, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the first book, and that is the book of Luke. Now, the second book that, that Luke is going to write is one where he does have some first, first-hand knowledge. And there are times in, in, in the book where he writes and uses terminology like we, meaning he was part of some of these trips as well. But again, he gives them to us so we understand the life of Jesus and everything that Jesus did. And now this book, the book of Acts, or also called the Acts of the Apostles, tells us what was done after Jesus had lived and died and rose and ascended into heaven. Again, I'll continue reading Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So there we have Jesus' ministry, the end of Jesus' ministry, and, and after Jesus had paid for sins, after Jesus had shown himself to be alive, that his work here on, on the earth was done. And it was time for him to go to heaven and time for the Holy Spirit to do his work as well. And so in the blank, you can write, Jesus' work of pain for sin was completed. It was time for the Holy Spirit to take center stage. Jesus' work was completed. It was time for the Holy Spirit to take center stage. And, and the way that I like to look at this, and, and maybe this will help as well, Understand that the Holy Spirit was active throughout eternity working this entire time. And when I was in high school and when I was at the seminary, I was kind of a, a choir geek person type music guy. And, and so I, I sang in a lot of choirs. And, and with the, the choirs, you would have your sopranos, altos, tenors, bass. And there were different times when that as we sang in harmony... 
What would happen with, with different uh, uh, musical, the, the writers of the music, that there were times when the sopranos, most of the time the sopranos would have the lead uh, and the melody, but then there were times when it would go from the sopranos and then the basses would have the melody and everyone else would be singing harmony and then it would go to the tenors, then it would go to the altos and sometimes the melody and the lead went back and forth. In the same way, the triune God, as the triune God works in harmony, there were times when God the Father seemed to have the melody, seemed to have the lead, like at creation, but the Spirit of God was still there. It says, hovering over the waters. Jesus, or the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, was there as well through the power as God spoke. And, and so we have this harmony. Then during the life of Christ, it seems that Jesus took the melody. Jesus took the lead, and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit were within, in harmony with him. And now during this time, after Jesus had completed his work, now it was time for the Holy Spirit to take that lead, to take the melody. And the great part about it is, is when the Holy Spirit finally got center stage and, and was allowed to sing and proclaim, what did he sing a song about? Jesus. <laughs> and again, shows this, this great harmony of the triune God and, and the Holy Spirit and, and the Son and, and the Father working together. Now, as we, we, we look at this, this was the book of Acts. This was told to God's people a long time before this, that this would happen. In the book of the prophet Joel, there is a prophecy about what would happen when the Holy Spirit came and, and what would happen at that time. Peter, on the first Pentecost, quoted Joel and said, you guys, we should have been expecting this. And these are the words of the prophet Joel that, that Peter quoted. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens and... Signs, right? What we were talking about before. I'm going to show them signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And so the Holy Spirit, who had been working in harmony the entire time, at this time, God's promise was that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And, and the way that I see this is the difference between uh, drinking a glass of water and, and drinking out of the pitcher, that, that God's promises was that this Holy Spirit, now who has been active, you saw the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders in Egypt and through Moses and, and in David's life and at a number of different people. But now it's not just going to be one person that the Holy Spirit is on, but all of God's people. The Holy Spirit is going to be inside of you, uh, working through every one of God's children. And this is what Pentecost was all about. So in the blank, you can write, God poured out his Holy Spirit and sent signs that would lead people to Christ. Signs that would lead people to Christ. And so again, we have a sign of Christ, don't we? We have it right up here in the front of church. We have a cross. 
the, the Christian church has taken that sign, has taken that symbol, and it is a symbol for us of, of God's love and his faithfulness and his forgiveness and the fact that our debt of sin has been paid. And that's a symbol, that's a sign from God that we, we hold dear to us. And it's one sign, you could argue that that and the open tomb are, are the most important signs, but they're not the only signs. And those are what we are going to look at today. So we go to the next part, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and it says, on the day of Pentecost. And what I want you to do right there is, is take your pen and write, pen, just where it says Pentecost, put an equal sign, and then write Thanksgiving. Because if you wanted a day that Pentecost was most like it would be like Thanksgiving in the United States. It's the time when we celebrate the harvest, where, where especially if you go up uh, to the northern states or the Midwest, you'll, you'll see all of the fields uh, being harvested. That is what Pentecost was. The name Pentecost means 50. Penta means five, like a pentagon. But penta meaning 50, that it was 50 days after Easter. And that's always the time that it's celebrated. So it's this time of harvest and, and a, a time when, when God had promised his Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, they received a sign. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be a sign, tongues of fire, that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and were given a sign. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so now, 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven, just 10 days later, he promised, as he promised, the Holy Spirit is coming. You guys be ready. Be ready. You'll get a sign to let you know which way you need to go. And in this way, it was this new beginning for them. It was a new beginning as, as Jesus now and his life on this earth were done, and a new beginning with the Holy Spirit would guide them through his word. And so we go to the blanks. At Pentecost, God sent signs to his church. At Pentecost, God sent signs to his church. The first sign was a violent wind. The violent wind was a sign of how the Spirit works. And it was just the sound of a violent wind. This wind of the Holy Spirit and, and that sound actually goes back to John chapter 3. And it was when Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, came to Jesus and he was trying to understand this whole idea of of what God was trying to do in his life. And, and Jesus pointed him to the Holy Spirit. And that's when Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like a, a wind which blows wherever it wants to. And so as we look at the sign of the Holy Spirit, that if I were to put a sign there, I would put this one. It's, it's one that we use in, in our language that, that there's a certain amount of question with the Holy Spirit that we don't understand exactly how the Holy Spirit works. And what I mean by that is this. 
how come on Holy, or on Pentecost, on this day of Thanksgiving and harvest, thousands of people believed the message and were saved as, Jesus, as Peter pointed them to Jesus and his payment for sin, but just a number of years later, when the apostle Paul was preaching in the same place, the same message, he was arrested and sent to prison. How does that work? Or how come it can be that, that when I preach a message here, that there are individuals that'll say, thank you, pastor, it's just what we needed today, and it really built me up in my faith, and another person will say, oh, man, that was horrible. That, that was, I got nothing out of that message. And, and so it, it can lead you at some times to say, how exactly does this work? And, and so understand that, that in our lives, as the Holy Spirit works, you are going to have question marks, that it's not always going to be something that you understand. And at the same time, there was another uh, sign, and that sign was tongues of fire. So this fire that came down and, and, and was, came and, and, and broke apart and was on each one of them. And, and so there I said, red means Go. Not exactly what we're used to with, with the signs, is it? Red means go. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are not alone. And so if I were to put a sign there, I wouldn't put a question mark. I would put an exclamation mark. Go. Now is the time. There is this intensity and, and this burning. And, and this is something I was talking to someone just last night who uh, came and, and shared with me as they came to worship I have this fire inside of me. And, and, and it's hard to describe, but, but as she said it, I knew exactly what she meant, that, that God is working inside of me. And, and it's this fire, it's this intensity that I have, it, that God through his word is, is leading me, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and so the Holy Spirit continues to drive us today. And then the final one is speaking in different languages. So the speaking in different languages, and, and that one is take the message to the world, that this gospel, this good news of Jesus is for everyone. And so on that day, as, as the disciples were speaking uh, in different languages to different people, that all of them, all of them were able to hear in their own language for them to understand this good news of Jesus Christ. And I just want to make it clear that, that as we look at this, the violent wind, uh, the, the tongues of fire, the speaking in different tongues, all of them were a sign, right? And the sign isn't the end. It, it, it's not the sign that we look at and say, oh, there's the sign, I'm here. But the sign always points us in a direction. And, and this one was pointing them again in the direction of Jesus, pointing them back to Christ, pointing them that that message of Jesus is one that needs to be shared. And as you go forward on that path, that the Holy Spirit was with them every step of the way. So what was the result? Number of results. Acts chapter 2, 42 and 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you get a chance, read Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 and focus on that. Because as you look at that church, 
that church is the church that every graduate of the seminary wants to serve. It was just awesome. There were just things going on. People were coming every day and say, hey, could you tell me about Jesus? They were coming, hey, could you do Bible study with me today? All right. People were generous. Hey, we have all this extra stuff we're not going to need. Do you know anyone who needs money or food or anyone who, who needs anything from us? And it was just, they were enjoying this, that, that the church was just a magnet for people, and, and the people that were there were just enjoying it so much. And at the same time, we have Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. And this specifically was about the killing of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It started so good. People were coming to faith. Everything was so good. God, this is the way it should be. This is almost like heaven on earth. And, then, and that was the way it was almost for the first seven, eight chapters of the book of Acts. And then on that day, everything changed. And, and it made them wonder, are we on the right road? And, and so in the blank, you can write growth, was a sign that the Holy Spirit was with them. Growth was a sign the Holy Spirit was with them. And persecution was a sign the Holy Spirit was with, with them. And, and just to help you understand this, again, I was driving from South Dakota, uh, Mobridge, South Dakota, to Denver. And I, I, I wasn't sure how to get to Denver, and I knew I needed to get there. And there were times that I was driving, I was on gravel roads. And it's, are you kidding me? And it, and it made, and I'm sitting there with my Garmin again, which tells me, oh yeah, this is the way it should be. And so there were caution signs that said rough road. If I had a dollar for every sign that said bump, I would have paid for all my gas as we were going. And, and so you're driving. And so on this road, there were times when I was driving 35 and then on the interstate, there were times when I was driving 75, and it was smooth sailing. But the thing about it is, both of those were on the right path for me to get to Denver. And so, as we look at it, what we think in life sometimes is that it should be interstate the whole way that it should be smooth sailing, I should be able to put my life on cruise control, sit back, and just enjoy the view as I go. And I'm telling you, that is not the right path. And, and, I'm, and it's not coming from me, it's coming from Christ, as he tells us what we should expect. It comes from the Holy Spirit, who lets us know that as you look at these, these signs, as people attack, as they go against the gospel of Christ, is, is proof, actually, that you're on the right path. You need to understand that as you go. And so we understand this on a, a big picture, but we also go to the Bible story of, of Saul, who would later become Paul, to show that this is also done on an individual level. <clears throat> so we go to Acts chapter 9. And, and I'm just going to say this a, a number of times, just because I know it gets confusing. In the Bible, there are two people named Saul. 
One of them was a king who lived like a thousand years before Jesus. And then there is this Saul who lived about the same time of Jesus and a little bit after, definitely after for a while. This Saul, the name Saul means great one. And so this Saul that we're talking about was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the opposition of Christians. And and his name really showed who he thought he was. Saul, I'm great. That he was self-righteous. That in his relationship with God, he is one that would say, I have done everything God wants me to do. I keep God's law flawlessly. God loves me. And, And so Saul, as he's going through his life, and, and we're going to read what happens to him as, as, as God called him back, that he changed his name to Paul, which means little one. And he gives us a little insight to why he changed his name in Timothy when he says, here is a, a trustworthy saying and worthy of full acceptance. Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. You see, there are no Pauls that weren't at one time Saul's. Every one of us, Saul's, our self-righteousness, our sinful nature, and that desperately need Christ, that desperately need a, not only a sign from the Holy Spirit, but need, we need that Holy Spirit to, to turn us around. So, so we're going to go to the reading, Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul this great one, the Pharisee, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And in life, just so you know, if you ever hear that, this is what the sign means. You're going the wrong way. And we look at that. How can people be so dumb to go the wrong way? We've had that in Arizona, haven't we, where a number of these head-on crashes where people have gone the wrong way on the interstate? And, and if you're like me, you're like all self-righteous about what's wrong with those people? You know, how can, how can they be so dense? That was until I went to the Diamondbacks game on Friday. And I was on Buchanan. I don't know if you've ever been down there. And I finally got to Central. And as we all know, Central goes north and south until the downtown when it separates and becomes one way. And I turned south and the northbound only. And thankfully, my wife helped me see that I was going the wrong way and did a very nice U-turn in the middle of traffic. And all of a sudden, when you're there, it's like, oh, my gosh. How can I... And then I get, they should have signs there. (laughs) And they do. Uh, But they need to be recognized. And, and And in the same way with us, as we're going, there are signs. How many signs in life do you need to tell you you're going the wrong way? God gave one here to Saul that was, un, or it was very recognizable. He, he couldn't miss it. Later, Acts 9, 8 and 9, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Again, this sign. He could not see. It was a sign that what was going inside of him spiritually. He couldn't see spiritually either, and God used that physical sign of blindness to show him that. 
But then, Acts 9, 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show how much he must suffer for my name. And Paul, Saul, who became Paul, did it willingly. And so in the blank, he can write Saul, which means great one, would change his name to Paul, little one, and be a major part of God's team. And now this, as we look at the message, this is what the reason why we have this message. Saul needed to change. And it took a miracle for him to change. It took the Holy Spirit working through the power of God's word to do that. And now I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about that person who's just never gonna change. Or I want you to think about yourself, maybe. The, the struggle that you've been having making changes. I'm telling you, you must change. You have to change. But it's only the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's word that will give you that power to change. Through signs that point you back to Christ that make changes through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then what happens? The last one, Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This power from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes us beyond borders for Christ. So, so what do you look like today? That if, if your life was a, a battery, you know, we know how to read these, don't we? that maybe you're here today and you're on red, that you need to get plugged in. Or maybe a day like today, I feel, of, ooh, look, see? See that right there? That is me today. That's green all the way up. I, was, I just got back from vacation. Um, plugged in, had time to pray, had time to get into God's word. Awesome. That all of us need to be plugged in, just like our cell phone, just like our laptop. That's a daily plug-in. And that is the way the Holy Spirit brings this power, brings that change in our lives. And this beyond borders can look like people from Crosswalk going to Malawi. It, it can be the work we do to Mozambique. But, but I think even more than that, it's, it's the changes that come about in your daily life. Living for Christ, showing forgiveness to those around you reaching out and sharing this great gift you have in Jesus with others, having that season your conversations, inviting people to crosswalk and just recognizing this is the place where you come to charge up here, your growth group, being with your Christian friends anywhere you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have power. The power of the Holy Spirit has sent you signs to point you back to Christ. Recognize them and always go back there for power. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you uh, that you have given us your Holy Spirit and that you have given us signs that always point us in the direction of Jesus and heaven. Now help us, especially at times when, when we feel that we are worn down, help us to plug into this power that you promised, this power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way at that first Pentecost that the Holy Spirit worked, the, the Holy Spirit also works today. And so, Lord, as we go from this place, refresh us, strengthen us, and let us know you are with us no matter where we go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go from here today, just for the first five minutes in your car, pay attention to all the signs that are out there that you miss every day, that, that are there and you're, you're, you kind of gloss over. But then as you think about that also, though, think about this in a spiritual way. Where are, where are places that God is telling you you're going the wrong way? And then go back to his word because there are the signs. There are the signs that always point you back to Christ, always point you to the direction where you are going, and that's to be with him in heaven. Now, as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.